0: Something that's been on my heart lately uh, in terms of campus ministry is Acts chapter 2. In the Assemblies of God, we love Acts chapter 2, don't we? It's where the Holy Spirit is poured out. And I think it's really interesting, really strategic on God's part, on Christ's part, on the Holy Spirit's part, that he chose to pour out his spirit in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost because every known nation of the world was represented in that place at that time. You know, they, they had convened. We read in Acts chapter 2 that people from all over the place were in Jerusalem at that time. Jesus poured out his spirit there to accelerate the Great Commission. He said that he wanted to, to empower them for witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Right, So he poured out his spirit where they were all there. And they could receive the spirit and then take it. You know, that shows me that Jesus loves to pour out his spirit when the nations are gathered. And so we're praying that he would do it again. You know, we're praying that he would do it again. Please pray with us. We need it. Uh, it's a, it can be a challenging mission field. As many of you know, as, as the people who are from MSU know, um, you know, the college campus can be a challenging mission field. But there's just, God can do so much there. So please pray. It's not going to happen without prayer. We just, the, the spiritual warfare is real. The spiritual world is real, y'all. <laughs> we need to pray. We need to pray. Please pray with us. Um, and thank you so much. This church is a part of it. This church has been a part of our ministry. Uh, some of you probably don't know, but you all have been supporting us for uh, four or five years. And it's been just such a blessing. I mean, I can't tell you how, how much strength it gives us, how much encouragement it gives us to know that our some of the God churches in the state of Michigan are behind us and you're praying for us. And it's, it's such a blessing, I'm telling you. Thank you so much. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for praying for us. And keep, keep it going. We love it. We love your partnership. We're honored. Should we get into the word this morning? Yes. All right. Let's pray. Can we pray? Close our eyes together. Jesus, you are so great. What a great God. What a joy it is to be in your presence today. What a privilege it is to be your children. We are so undeserving, God. But you love to be our Father. It's crazy that you love to be our Father. That you love to walk with us through this life. And just your patience is so great, Father, that that you just guide us through all of, our, all of our stumblings, all of our wanderings, all of our insecurities, all of our immaturities. You're just such a good Father. You love to, to raise children. We're so thankful that you've done that for us, that you're doing that for us, that you're continuing in faithfulness to us, God. God, And we just want to be faithful to you in return. And we cannot do it on our own. We don't have the strength, so please help us today. Please help us today and the next day and for the rest of our lives, God, be more and more faithful to you. I pray that that this this time we have together today would be just a little part of that process of becoming more faithful to you. To honor you more, God, to be more pleasing in your sight. God, I, I pray that you would receive this offering we bring to you today, this offering of ourselves. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices to you today, God. Please, may you find it acceptable. May you find it pleasing to you, God. May you take us and do whatever you desire. We give ourselves completely to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So over the last few years, God's been leading me on an exploration on what it means to walk by the Spirit. Um, there's this little passage in Galatians 5 that we're going to look at in a minute, so if you'd like to turn there, you can. Galatians 5, and and, and there's and Paul talks, the Apostle Paul talks about walking by the Spirit, and it's one of those phrases that I had read probably dozens of times um, growing up in the faith and um, learning about Jesus, reading the Bible, and, and, you, and you read these kind of passages, and sometimes you just, like, okay, walking by the Spirit, and you skip over it, and you don't really, you don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it, right? Um, but then one day I realized, I was like, man, what does that mean? What does it mean to walk by the Spirit, and how do I do that? Because when I look at my life, I see a huge difference between my life and the life of the New Testament church. Does anybody agree? Is anybody there? You look at, you look at the, the, the apostles, right, in the book of Acts, and miracles are happening. People are just getting saved um, in incredible numbers. Disciples are being made. Um, people are being healed. Just all kinds of incredible things are happening. And I realize in the book of Acts, you know, we're looking at kind of like a highlight reel, right, like when you watch Sports Center you don't see the whole game, you don't see all the parts that, that were kind of boring, you just see the, the highlights, right? The parts that were really cool. I realized that the book of Acts is kind of like that, um, that you know, it's just, it talks about the high points, it doesn't talk about all the, just the day-to-day stuff of just living. But at the same time, in a highlight reel, there are highlights once in a while, right? I mean, I, in a game, there are highlights once in a while. And, and sometimes I look at my life, and, and I look at the life, lives of our churches in the United States, and, and they're just sometimes they're just not, not, not that great of a highlight reel, you know? Where you, you're just like, man, where is the, the supernatural presence of God? Where are the miracles? And God's doing incredible miracles. I don't want to minimize that at all, but, but you know, there's more. I, I don't see anything biblically that says that my life cannot look like the life of lives of the apostles, you know, the lives of the early church. And I don't see anything in the scripture that tells me that your life can't look like that also. And I'm hungry for that, you know. I want God. My life is not there now, but I want I want God to bring my life there. And, you know, in his sovereignty, he can choose to make my life as mundane as and as boring as he wants to. That's okay. That's his prerogative. He's the father. I'm the son, right? It's not my job to tell him what to do. But, man, I'm just hungry, you know. I'm hungry. And, uh. So, I've been exploring this over the last few years what it means to walk by the Spirit and, and who this person of the Holy Spirit is and how I can cultivate a relationship with him. So, let's look at this passage in Galatians 5 together. Um, there's this idea of walking by the Spirit that I want to look at. It starts in Galatians 5, verse 16. Y'all there? If you're there, say go blue. Go blue. Go blue. I, I, I sent some insubordinates today in the house. <laughs> Pastor Peter, what's happening here? Did I hear, it? Pastor Bobby, you're not there yet? Are you there at Galatians 5? Can I hear a go blue? <laughs> oh wait, shit. You know, something I've never understood is why, Ohio is a pretty short word. Why does it take two Buckeyes to spell it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, I probably shouldn't do that, much. Anyway, okay, I assume you're all there, right? Galatians 5. Let's read it together. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Man, we've, we've made up a lot of ways to do evil, haven't we? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Isn't that cool? So in this passage, the Apostle Paul lists nine fruit of the Spirit, right? Interestingly, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, the same author, the Apostle Paul, he lists nine gifts of the Spirit. <coughs> those gifts of the Spirit are word of wisdom. We won't, we won't turn there today for the sake of time, but uh, those gifts of the Spirit are the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Okay, So those are the nine gifts of the Spirit. How many of you know that a common symbol of the Holy Spirit is a dove? Anybody heard that or seen that before? Um, In the Gospels, in all four Gospels, when Jesus was water baptized, in the account of Jesus' water baptism, it says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Okay, so, so a dove is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. So something interesting that I heard from a Chi Alpha pastor several years ago that I did, did not know, and maybe some of you here know this, but I didn't know this, that a dove has nine feathers in each wing. Did you guys, did anybody know that? I thought that was really interesting. A dove has nine feathers in each wing. Is it possible that God did that on purpose? I mean, I think God does everything on purpose. <laughs> but is it possible that God did that to teach us something? To teach us a powerful truth about his spirit i believe this illustrates that two of the primary functions of the ministry of the holy spirit within the church is to produce the nine gifts of the spirit and to produce the nine fruit of the spirit so the one wing of the holy spirit is like the power of the holy spirit you know the gifts of the holy spirit these are produced through the baptism in the holy spirit right um so we have the power wing the nine gifts of the spirit. And then the other wing is like the the character wing, right? Like It's like the, uh, the Christ-like formation wing, the fruit of the spirit. That's produced, as it says here in Galatians 5, through walking by the spirit. So in order to be balanced, to fly well, a dove, I think, would need all nine feathers in each wing, don't you think? I mean, if we're missing some of the feathers in one of the wings or both of the wings, it, w- it wouldn't fly right. And maybe not fly at all. In the same way, in the church, we need all nine feathers of each wing to be present in the ministry of the Holy Spirit to be balanced. If we just have the power of the Holy Spirit, or if or if we just have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're missing out on something, aren't we? You know, some churches, as as I've been serving Christ, I meet different Christians, I meet different churches, and I see that a lot of people tend to to you know tend towards one wing of the holy spirit right you have some churches that are like you know we're not we're not big on the power because the power is kind of scary and it can get out of control and i've seen the power abused right anybody's seen the power of god abused i've seen it abused um in the revival days and all you know all that god did a lot of incredible things but um it's also abused sometimes and people see that and they're like so you know we're just going to emphasize this this wing of the holy spirit that's that's the character wing you know it's a little safer and it's about Christian maturity. It's about growing and in, 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 in being Christ-like. Um, you know, if, if that's if that's who you are or if, or if that's, you know, a certain church, they're going to be missing out on something, right? They might not be as effective in the power to be witnesses like Christ has available to them. And on the other hand, you have have some other Christians or some other churches who are just all about the power, right? Like You know, maybe hyper-charismatic or or, you know, like they just, like, all they want to do is worship, and the, their favorite services are the ones that you never even get to the sermon because you just keep worshiping the whole time, right? And, but, but those people, if it's all about the power, all about the experience, all about the feeling, they, they'll jump to, from one church to another, right? They'll be chasing the, the latest move of God, and they, they tend to be unstable in their walk with Christ, right? Maybe a little bit flighty, maybe a little weird, you know, if you just have the power. And a church like that might be, might be lacking direction, Right? All that to say, we need balance, right? The two wings of the Spirit work together, not against each other. They complement and augment each other. The baptism in the Holy Spirit adds effectiveness to the fruit of the Spirit, and it accelerates the production of the fruit. I think it accelerates. The baptism in the Holy Spirit accelerates our maturity. It can, it should. And at the same time, walking by the Spirit, the other wing, it brings temperance and wisdom and direction and focus to the gifts of the Spirit. So you need both, the gifts and the fruit, to be the most effective church, the most effective Christian that you can be in the kingdom of God. So like I said and like we just read, I want to focus today on, on just that one wing, the wing of walking by the Spirit, the wing of the, of the fruit of the Spirit. Is that okay? You all with me? All right. Cool. So as we read in Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit is the one who overcomes the flesh in our lives, right? Right? talks about the enemy of the Spirit of God, the enemy of the working of the Spirit of God is the flesh. And through the Spirit of God, we can overcome the flesh in our lives, and the Holy Spirit produces fruit in the form of Christ-like character. You know, a couple chapters earlier in the same book, in the book of Galatians, Paul expresses another idea about this thing called the flesh. So if you want to, I have it up on the, up on the PowerPoint, these, these couple verses here. Galatians 3, let's look at verses 2 and 3. This is, a really, this is a fascinating verse. This has been kind of a theme verse for me over the last few years. Here's what he writes. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So he's talking about salvation, right? So did you receive the Spirit through the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Having begun by the Spirit, so having been saved by the Spirit, Are you now being perfected by the flesh? And that's exactly what these Galatians were trying to do. If you know the book of Galatians, you know that the the Galatians thought that they could become righteous through the law. And that doesn't just mean, for our purposes, it doesn't just mean the the Hebrew law, the Old Testament Mosaic law. It just means the law, you know, legalism, rules. The Galatians, they knew the gospel enough to know that they were saved not by works, but by grace through faith, Right? But now they were trying to sanctify themselves through their own hum, human effort. They didn't understand that both salvation and sanctification can only come through faith and the Spirit's work in us. Sanctification is just a, a fancy word for just becoming holy, becoming like Jesus, becoming like God. You know, I can identify with the Galatians. Um, can anyone in here identify with the Galatians? That just like, you know, I'm so guilty of this trying, I've tried so many different methods. Over the years, I'm not that old. I'm 33, but I've been alive a long, t- long enough to to try a lot of different things to make myself like Jesus. I've tried to, you know, say that I'm going to pray for a certain amount of minutes every day. I'm going to read this amount of scripture every day. I'm going to get up at this time every morning, and I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to fast this many meals per week. I'm going to journal this much, whatever, etc., etc., etc. On and on and on and on. Anybody in here? Can, can, do you feel like that sometimes? Have you tried those things? Do they work? You know, these things, they're good things, right? Great things. I, I pray, I, you know, I want to pray a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. I desire. But here's the tricky part. Many times we resolve to do these things out of a genuine desire to be closer to God and to be more like him. And these things in themselves are good things. But But trying to achieve these things through our own effort rather than allowing the spirit of God to produce them in us does not work. Trying versus allowing, you know? Trying harder does not work. Allowing the Spirit of God to do them in us is what Paul wants to communicate to the Galatians and what the Holy Spirit, I think, wants to communicate to us this morning. Like, like the Galatians many times, myself, and I'm sure some of you are with me, that we know that we've been saved by the Spirit of God alone. But then we expect to perfect ourselves. How can we expect to perfect ourselves if it's the Spirit of God alone that saves us, Right? It cannot be done the ability to live righteously is a spiritual work and we have no ability to live righteously within our natural selves so let me share something with you concerning this that has just been revolutionary in the way that I approach growing in godly character a couple years ago I was reading a book by Andrew Murray anybody familiar with Andrew Murray he's a dead guy who ministered around the turn of the night of the 20th century and lately i've been i've been really enjoying reading books by dead people because they've been filtered through time you know like hey we should stay up on what's going on in culture and everything like that too but but old books just they're filtered through time you know and so you know that if they're still around 100 years later or 500 or a thousand years later there must be something to it you know i've really been enjoying that lately. But, but when I was reading this book, this book by Andrew Murray called The Spirit of Christ, and in that book, Murray points out something that, that just was, I thought was really profound. So he makes a connection between this mention of the flesh in Galatians 3. In Galatians 3, Paul writes, that we just read, our efforts, he writes of our efforts to perfect ourselves by the flesh, okay? So that word flesh. And then in Galatians 5, like we read a minute ago, Paul writes of the works of the flesh. Okay, so in Galatians 3, we have the efforts of the flesh to perfect ourselves, in Galatians 5, we have the works of the flesh that produce what? Sin. Sinful desires. Andrew Murray connected those two passages for me in a way that I had never thought of before, and it has, it has been changing my life. I don't say that lightly. Do I say that very often? Uh, if I'm not joking? Okay. <laughs> um, but this is, it's been changing the way I think. Paul uses the same word in Galatians 3 when he says flesh as he does in Galatians 5 when he says flesh. And it's the Greek word sarx, if anybody cares. Probably nobody does, but that's the word. Do you think that's an accident that Paul, that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to talk about the efforts of the flesh in Galatians 3 and then the works of the flesh in Galatians 5? So what does that mean? The efforts to perfect ourselves, to sanctify ourselves, to make ourselves like God, and the desire to sin both come from the same thing. They both come from the same root, and that root is the flesh. Let me read this quote to you from that book that I read, this quote that I was sitting in a coffee shop on campus at the University of Michigan reading this book, and I read this quote and I just started crying. I'm just like in this coffee shop <laughs> looking around wondering if anyone's seeing this weird guy with tears coming down his face in the campus, because I just, I see, I, I saw myself in this quote. Let's read it together. As long as the flesh, self-effort, and self-will had any, yeah, you can read it with me, that's awesome, had any influence in serving God, it would remain strong to serve sin, and that the only way to render it impotent to do evil was to render it impotent in its attempts to do good. I had to read it probably five or ten times for, it to, for me to really get it, so I'll read it for you again, just... Just meditate on this for a moment. As long as the flesh, self-effort and self-will, had any influence in serving God, it would remain strong to serve sin. And that the only way to render it impotent or powerless to do evil was to render it impotent in its attempts to do good. Does that make sense? The only way to make the flesh weak to sin is to realize it's weak to serve God. As long as you think your flesh is strong to serve God, it will be strong to sin. I've seen this in my life. Has anybody ever noticed that the harder you try to change, the more you just act the same old way? Right? Why is that? In the spiritual sense, it's because trying harder is only feeding and strengthening the flesh, which is the same part of you that wants to sin. That's a nasty trick that the devil played, isn't it? If we want to weaken our desire for sinful things, we have to weaken our fleshly efforts to to purify ourselves. So Paul is telling the Galatians in chapters 3 and 5 that the Spirit of God is the only thing that can battle against the flesh. You can't defeat the flesh with the flesh. Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? You know, pr- let's let's imagine that you're you're painting your kitchen. You're painting the walls red, and you kick over the bucket of paint accidentally, and so you have red paint all over the floor, uh, the the beautiful floor that you have in your home. You have red paint everywhere, and so you're like, oh man, I got to clean up this red paint. What do I do? So you get a rag, and you're like, I need to find something to clean this up, and so you 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 dip the the rag in the bucket of paint, whatever's left in that bucket of paint, you dip it in the red paint, and then you start wiping the floor. <laughs> Is that going to clean the floor? It's going to make the mess worse, isn't it? But that's what we do. In the same way, we try to clean up the flesh with the flesh. But only the Holy Spirit can clean up the mess we've made it with our flesh. If you want to really clean up that paint, you need something else, right? You need something clean, something different to do that job. By attempting to perfect ourselves by our own efforts, we're actually fighting against the Spirit of God who is trying to do that very thing. So does anyone know what you're supposed to do if you're drowning and somebody swims up and tries to save you? What are you supposed to do? Just go shout it out if you know. you're, You're supposed to what? Relax. Exactly, yeah. You're supposed to lay still, right? You're supposed to stop trying to save yourself if you're drowning and someone up... And someone comes up and tries to save you because if you do try to save yourself, if you keep trying to struggle, you're not only going to kill yourself, but you're going to kill the person who's trying to save you, right? And a good lifeguard, if you're struggling and and you're about to kill that lifeguard, the lifeguard is going to punch you in the face and knock you out to get you to lay still, right? (laughs) And it's for your good, right? We can see that clearly when we're talking about drowning, but sometimes God punches us in the face to get us to lay still for a minute so he can save us. And we fight against him like crazy. man. if, so we're, we're, we're achieving the opposite. If we're struggling, trying harder to save ourselves, we're not only going to kill ourselves, but the, the very one that's coming to save us, we're going we're gonna to kill his work in our lives. You know? We're achieving the opposite. The harder we try to change ourselves, the more sinful we become. The only one who can save us and sanctify us is the Spirit of God. So I wanna show you a picture of what you look like, what I look like when we're trying to perfect ourselves in the flesh. Can you, can you put up that picture, guys? There we are, <laughs> there we are. Co- any Cookie Monster fans in the room today? All right, gotta love the Cookie Monster. So our flesh is a monster, everybody. Our flesh is a monster, and it's not a cute blue cookie me- cookie-loving monster either. It's a nasty monster and here cookie monster he's done he's doing his best to make himself look nice right he's dressed himself up in a tuxedo he's trying to act civilized he's trying to behave but look at his face look at that face what is he thinking about that's right someone already said it. you know he's thinking about cookies (laughs) (laughs) he's still a monster isn't he you can you can dress up the monster and you can try to make it look pretty and make it behave and act civilized, but sooner or later, man, it's going to bust out of that tuxedo and start gobbling up cookies again. You know, that, that tux will just start you just start making you uncomfortable, won't it? You're just like, oh, man, the monster is just not made for this tux. I've got to get this tux off. And then when the tux does bust off, it's gonna be, you're going to be going back with a vengeance. Right? You're going to be going back with a vengeance to the sin. We try so hard to civilize, to be civilized and to behave well, but it just makes us want to sin more. You know, and some of us might think we're doing a pretty good job living righteously, you know, out uh, of the efforts of the flesh. Some people, they're just disciplined people, you know. God has just gifted them to be self-disciplined, um, and you think you're doing a pretty good job. You're like, you know, my life looks pretty good. Uh, the people in the church, they, they look at me and they think, yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good guy, pretty good girl. Um, this sermon isn't just for those of you who feel like, man, I'm trying so hard to, to change myself in the flesh and I'm failing. I think maybe even more so is for the people, the Christians, who, who are trying so hard to perfect themselves and think they're succeeding. You know, because if you're failing, at least you know that you're a monster. If you're failing, you think you're, you think you're doing pretty good on your own. But it's more, even more dangerous probably because we're deceived and they're thinking we're, we're righteous. But we really haven't produced any spiritual fruit, you know, unless it's Christ who has produced the righteousness in us. So you can't reform the flesh. The flesh has to be crucified. So what's the answer? All right, we spent all this time talking about the problem. (laughs) But what's the answer? Well, Galatians 5 tells us that walking by the Spirit is the thing that enables us to overcome the flesh. So just in the last couple minutes here, I want to give you some ideas of how we can begin to walk by the Spirit. And this is, like I said, this is a process and exploration that God's been leading me on for a few years, and I really don't feel like I have a great set of answers for it. I feel like I'm just beginning to, to explore this, this idea of what it means to walk by the Spirit of Jesus. Um, I, I don't have it figured out, but, but maybe uh, just a couple ideas can be helpful for you, a couple ideas that have been helpful for me. The first thing is if we are incapable of doing this, then the first step would just be to ask somebody else to do it for us, and that person is Jesus. The first step is just to ask, to say, you know, I cannot change myself. It's like Alcoholics Anonymous, right? The first step is to admit you're powerless. That's, that's, that's the kingdom, man. That's the gospel, to admit you're powerless. That's just to ask Jesus, like, Jesus, I need you to do it for me. I need you to te- teach me to walk by the Holy Spirit. Second thing is to develop, you, to develop your communication with the Holy Spirit. Um, to walk by the Holy Spirit means that we're communicating with him on a regular basis all day. We're walking with him. You know this, this idea of walking with somebody? That, that person's with you all the time, right? And it's not like the Holy Spirit walks where we walk. It's that we walk where the Holy Spirit tells us to walk. It's not like we're, we're dictating where we're going and the Holy Spirit's just like in our backpack. You know, it's like a little circus monkey in the backpack, and anytime we need him, we can pull him out, and he can do these tricks for us, and then we put him back in the backpack, and we keep going the direction we want to go. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is walking next to us, showing us where to go, and we listen to what he says. And we walk not just with the Holy Spirit, but Galatians 5 says that we walk by the Spirit. That means that every step, the source by which we walk is the Spirit of God. The source by which we walk is the Spirit of God. So to, to develop our communication with the Holy Spirit, just pray in the Spirit. It's just practice. Like if God is if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and God has given you this gift of tongues, use it every day. Use it every day. Pray in the spirit. You know, you might set a goal for yourself, not in the flesh, but in this with the help of the Spirit of God. Say, you know, God, I want to pray in the Holy Spirit for fifteen minutes a day. Would you help me do that? And then just while you're in the car on the way to work, or, you know, while you're while you're walking from class to class or whatever you're doing, while you're doing the dishes, just pray in the spirit. Learn to speak in that language. Next thing, third thing is focus on Jesus rather than your sin. We're talking so much about the kind of sins that we struggle with, struggling with sin, but that's not where the focus is. In verse 16 of Galatians 5, he says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He doesn't say walk by the Spirit so that you will not gratify. He says walk by, it's a very important difference. Walk by the Spirit and you will not. The uh, overcoming the flesh is a byproduct of the Spirit of God, of walking by the Spirit. The focus is on Jesus, on who he is. So when you make a mistake, when you sin, don't, don't dwell on your sin. Don't focus on your sin. Repent of your sin, confess it, to God, confess it to a Christian brother or sister, pray, forgive yourself, and and put your focus back on Jesus. Your focus belongs on him, not your sin. Begin to thank God for his forgiveness. Thank him that your, your sins have been washed away. Thank you for the work that he accomplished through the cross of Jesus Christ. And then the last thing, do practical things to deny the flesh. Again, this is tricky because it's, it's just so. You have to pay such close attention. And ask God to reveal to us the motivations of our heart, to make sure that we're not, we're not doing these things out of our own effort. But just ask God, like God, I want to deny the flesh. Will you help me do practical things? Will you help me fast by your Spirit and not fast in my own effort? You know, fasting, man, I hate fasting because it just my flesh is just screaming for food. I know no faster way to deny the flesh than fasting. That's maybe that's why it's called fasting. Um, serving others. Your flesh will take a hit as you serve others and humble yourself in that way. And sometimes serve others and don't tell anybody about it. Do something loving for somebody and don't tell anybody so that your pride is out of the picture as well. Your pride takes a hit. Your flesh takes a hit as you do that. All right. Well, I'm going to pray, and Pastor Peter is going to come up and, and close us out. But, man, Jesus is just so... Intensely passionate about purifying his bride. and He is so committed to purifying each of us through his spirit. Let's choose today to, to, to allow him to do it. To stop striving and just start allowing the spirit of God to do his work in us. All right, let's pray together. Father, you're so good. You're so, you're so gracious, God. You're so compassionate. You are slow to anger. You are abounding in loving kindness. You're rich in love, God. Your heart is full of favor towards your people, God, even when we blow it, even when, we're, even when we're making mistakes, not acting like you. Your heart is full of favor toward your children, God. We're so thankful. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you're committed to this process. And even when we're not, you are still committed to this process. God, make us more committed. Guide us and lead us through your spirit, Father. Empower us by your spirit to become like you, to walk by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.